There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends, but who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and today we're back with the one and only Dr. Mark Hyman. Dr. Mark hey, Hyman. Everybody. Hi, hello. Dr. Mark Hyman is the director of Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. He's also an 11-time New York Times best-selling author. And before we begin, please remember this is for informational purposes only and not intended to replace your own physician's advice. Thank you so much for being here. So excited you're back. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> so if you're confused about what to buy from the store, from the grocery store, that's nah, everybody knows exactly healthy. what to eat. It's don't very, they? very <laughs> confusing with everything that's on the shelf. But Dr. Hyman, he's been studying nutrition now for 40 years. He's going to bring clarity to this topic. Yes. So knowledge is power. And, and I've been wanna... eating for 58 years. Yeah, so. we all have <laughs> <laughs> very important point. Now, before we begin, I want to ask you uh, this question first. Are all processed foods equally bad? No. 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 I mean, if uh, you have a can of tomatoes with water and salt, that's okay. Or a can of sardines with basically some olive oil and salt, that's also okay. So as long as it's real food and you recognize it and you can cover over the front of the box or the package or the jar and you still know what it is when you read the ingredient list, it's fine. But if it has 37 ingredients, none of which are food, probably not good to eat. Okay, so when we talk about grocery shopping, um, I know you've mentioned this before, man-made versus nature-made. Can you tell me what that means? Yeah, I mean, some man-made products are fine. Let's be realistic. But for the most part, you have to ask yourself, did man make or human make this product, like a Twinkie, or did God make it? And God certainly didn't make a Twinkie, or you know, nature didn't make a Twinkie. Uh, they made an avocado, so it's a pretty easy distinction. When you look at something and say, well, who made this? Was it a factory, or was it nature? Yeah. And then when you buy uh, something from the store, are you always trying to go for the original state of food? Because that would be the produce section. Yeah, I mean, you want <laughs> as little steps from the field to your fork as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So if you eat broccoli, somebody snaps off the broccoli, sticks it in the store, and you eat it, right? Pretty simple. If you have some concoction, which is different shapes, sizes, colors of processed food, it's some weird invention of some food scientists, uh, it probably took 47 steps and to get all these different 37 ingredients in the food, right? Is that an actual job, a food scientist? Oh my God, yeah. I had a guy who was a patient once. He was a food scientist and he had his t-shirt says, I get to play with my food for a living. <laughs> he was so sick oh. from working with all these weird chemicals and ingredients that he had tremendous allergies, asthma, skin issues, fatigue, uh, cognitive issues, sinus issues. And I literally had him to kind of change his job in order to get healthy because he was playing with all these food chemicals that were making him sick. So he was processing the food? Yeah. Oh, he was okay. like inventing, like, you know, like a mad scientist inventing new products. That's and terrifying. Adding, yeah. <laughs> okay, so how about like frozen or like canned food or, or canned vegetables? Uh, is that healthy? Uh, well, canned food is probably not as healthy. Well, there's BPA in the cans. And mm. of course, you've got a lot of sugar and salt they add to foods in cans, like 
canned peaches, for example, probably not a great idea. It's full of sugar and syrup. Yeah. But uh, some are fine if they're if they're in jars or they're cans and they're whole food. It's actually okay. Okay, and frozen, same thing. Frozen is frozen is actually often better, and it's cheaper. I'd rather yeah. get frozen berries than fresh berries because they're picked right at the pure ripeness at the peak of season, and they're flash frozen. And they're really amazing, and they don't have mold or degrad degradation of their antioxidants and phytochemicals. Same thing with vegetables. People think, oh, frozen vegetables aren't so good. But often they're better. They haven't been transported over long distances, have a chance to degrade in their quality. They're fresher often. Um, they may not taste as great as a fresh-picked you know, tomato off the, or a fresh-picked broccoli off the, off the garden, but it's actually quite good for you, and the nutrient levels are much higher. And you can get organic, and it's cheaper. Wow. Well, that's news to me. So you're saying that frozen sometimes can be better yes. than fresh. Yes. Okay, so I wouldn't be scared to go to the frozen section. And cheaper. And cheaper, yes, if, of course. Okay, how about like some heart check marks that I find in some of these uh, products? Does well, that mean heart healthy? Yeah, here's the bad news. Uh -oh. <laughs> the American Heart Association, along with the Amer American Diabetic Association and the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, gets a large part of their annual revenue from the food industry, from the processed food industry. Mm -hmm. So, for example, American Heart Association has a heart healthy check mark that's on Trix cereal, which has seven yeah. teaspoons of sugar, red dye, blue dye, all kinds of weird chemicals, um, and it's heart healthy because it's low in fat, but it's high in wow. sugar and starch. So there's you know four different kinds of sugar, seven teaspoons of sugar. It's it's a toxic food that's yeah. labeled as heart healthy because the American Heart Association gets a big check from the manufacturers for putting that on their label. It's sort of pay to play. So the answer is no, not heart healthy. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Plus, a lot of the heart healthy stuff has to do with being low fat which turns out was a completely wrong idea that right. wasn't well established in the evidence and that now we really understood that the fat isn't the issue. In fact, our own dietary guidelines in the U.S., which are, are challenged in many ways, even that conservative group that says, oh, sorry, guys, we don't need to worry about dietary fat at all. Uh, you can eat as much as you want. It's not going to make you fat or cause heart disease. And by the way, cholesterol, which we told you to all avoid for last 35 years and eat egg white omelets well sorry we goofed on that too we yeah. didn't really look at the data and it's not an issue so do you think the guidelines are going to change knowing all these yeah well i think what there's an amazing process that just happened it's a great part of democracy i had a friend who's a passionate advocate for advocate for really evidence-based guidelines mm -hmm. and she went to congress and convinced some congressmen and senators to create a mandate for the national academy of sciences to do a review of the guidelines process. So they reviewed the process and they found that in an independent study that many of the guidelines were not based on good evidence, that they ignored huge amounts of evidence, for example, showing that saturated fats are not the enemy we thought they were on very low carbohydrate diets for diabetes and weight loss. And they also showed that there was many people on the committee, the guidelines committee, that were unduly influenced by the food industry and funded by them. Okay. now. So that's hopefully in the next 2020 guidelines we'll see a change. Well, that's good. That's that's very good news. Yeah. Um, but I want to go back to processed foods from farm. You do? I thought to we fork. were over that. I thought we were <laughs> oh, like, that's the whole You're show. not going to eat processed foods. I thought <laughs> we want to educate ourselves. Um, from yeah, farm, I want to go back to processed. Foods. Right, never. Um, so from farm to, your, to to the fork. What what is happening? How how is this food turning into processed food? How is this turning into cans and packages yeah. and cute names? And well, we have an industrial food system, right? And so how the food is grown has an impact on the climate and the environment. The kind of food that's grown is basically commodities. We have wheat, corn, and soy that get turned into 
flour, white flour, soybean oil is processed and refined, and often high fructose corn syrup. That gets turned into literally hundreds of thousands mm -hmm. of products. In addition, a lot of other corn extracts like maltodextrin and thickeners and things that are in our processed food. Uh, and there's a huge industrial process in extracting all that, turning it into processed food. And the people in America who eat the most of those foods, and by the way, about 60% of our food intake is from these processed foods in America. The people who eat the most of those foods are the sickest, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, cholesterol issues, high blood pressure, and more because they eat those foods. So it's really important to try to understand your food supply and not just go to the grocery store and just eat whatever and go, is this good for me? Is it good for the planet? Is it good for the environment? Is it good for the economy? Because if we're all eating these foods, we're going to bankrupt our nation through yeah. Medicare and Medicaid. So it's trying to understand more of the holistic nature of our food and our food system and how that's impacting everything that matters. Okay, very good information. Thank you. Now, I want to talk about what to avoid, what not to eat. This is straight from your website. Um, but I want to talk about some of the stuff, and we'll go fast through that because I have something else here to get to. But and by the way, everybody's going to get to ask questions, so stay tuned. Yes. We're going to get to the Q&A soon. Yes, the second half, everybody's going to get to ask don't questions. Don't go away. Don't go away. <laughs> Thank you. Um, ingredients. Right. I, I helped her with her job. <laughs> she's, she's new at this. New, yeah. Ingredients are difficult to pronounce. Well, you know, there's <laughs> basic rules. If you uh, want to have butylated hydroxytoluene with your food, uh, it's probably not a good idea, and yet it's in most processed food. And if you don't have it in your cupboard, mm -hmm. right, and you wouldn't sprinkle it on your food, like salt, you can put salt on your food. You wouldn't take a bottle of butylated hydroxytoluene or polysorbate 80 or, you know, maltodextrin and sprinkle it all over your food. Yeah. This is not what we would do, yeah. but this is actually what is happening in our food supply. We're eating three to five pounds of these chemicals every year per person, which are, are mostly unstudied and have some of them that are in use have been shown to be harmful and are actually banned in other countries. Wow. Uh, we had, for example, trans fat in our food. We knew for 50 years that we should be getting rid of this stuff because it was killing literally hundreds of thousands of people. Margarine is what I'm talking about yeah. and shortening. We thought that was healthy because it was a vegetable oil, but actually it was deadly. And the data was there and it took 50 years for the government to finally say, oh, this is not safe to eat. Yeah. And, and it's taken another four or five years for the, them to get the food companies to start to take it out of the food because it's still in the grocery store. Wow. Okay. Even though it's considered it's not safe to eat. Store. Like okay. the government says, this is not safe to eat. Yeah. And yet you can still go buy it in the grocery store. But some store. countries have banned. Oh, yeah. Fat. Yeah. Right. In New York, for example, um, they banned trans fats in all the restaurants because oh. oh. all the food was fried in trans fats. Yeah. And the data was there, but it was way before the federal government did anything. I see. I see. How about uh, anything that didn't exist in grandma's cupboard? Well, listen, the truth is what your grandmother ate was all organic, was all grass-fed, was all pretty much local, was all, yeah. <laughs> you know, without preservatives or additives. It was just food. Uh, and that's really what we want to get back to. If your grandmother wouldn't recognize a Lunchable yeah. or a Go-Gurt, right? I mean, right. like, <laughs> no, just, <laughs> no, what would be in your grandmother's cupboard? It would just be ingredients, real yeah. food ingredients. Sure. Okay, so speaking of ingredients, can we talk about soybean oil? Well, 10% of our calories are from soybean oil. Uh, and soybeans are not bad, and, and, and they're ideally non-GMO. Glyphosate is really a big problem, which is what they spray on there. It's Roundup to, to prevent weeds from growing, but it's turned out to be harmful for humans. So there's an issue of glyphosate in our oil, in our food supply. The soybean oil is extracted from the soybeans through a heat process. It's using solvents. It's deodorized. 
Uh, and it's kind of a, uh, a product that I think is, is not something we've been eating forever. It's a thousand-fold increase in our soybean oil consumption in the last hundred years. And we have an imbalance between the omega-6 and omega-3s in our diet. Omega-6s is a soybean oil. There's some omega-3s, but many of us are deficient and we don't eat, we don't eat um, wild fish that much. Right. So many of us are very low in omega-3s. And we eat a ton of refined oils. It's a huge part of our calories. And it turns out that that creates inflammation, oxidation, and other issues. Okay. So I'm not a big fan. Okay. Eat avocado oil, have grass-fed ghee or butter, you know, have extra virgin olive oil as your main oil. Those, those are fine. Okay, great. I'm going to um, actually kind of read through this um, because we're getting a lot of questions as well. So you mentioned anything advertised on TV, and I'm guessing because that's all, you know, Well, there's processed. research on this. Yeah, it's interesting that the, the foods that are the worst for you have the most advertising. You know, awesome. so you don't see ads for broccoli or yeah. almonds, right? right? That's very true. <laughs> and you see it for the some worst. Some pistachios. I mean, you oh. you get to see some of that stuff, no? Uh, pistachio. Okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah, but it not, good there's stuff. not like this, you know, giant um, lobby for the vegetable. Group, yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. And then anything with more than five ingredients on the label, unless it's recognizable ingredients. And speaking of that, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, yeah, pull let's out. do it. So I went to the grocery store. And just a you know, local grocery store, and I picked up some stuff that was healthy or marketed healthy. So I want to kind of go over that, and I'm going to explain what I have in my hands for people that are listening, not watching. So I have this uh, thin, pop, thin Pop, which is like real butter, popcorn. It's non-GMO, gluten-free. Well, here's what the deal. Here's the deal. See, see, this is like made with real butter. Uh, only 43 calories per cup. Yeah. Non-GMO, gluten-free. No artificial ingredients. Is this a health food? Is it? I don't think so. <laughs> it's uh, a lot of starch. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Here's a real. Here's another list. Non-GMO, gluten-free, peanut-free, tree-nut-free, preservative-free, no artificial flavors, zero trans fats, a good source of fiber, and delicious. Now this isn't the worst thing on the market because it's basically got mostly real ingredients, but it has popcorn, sunflower oil, whey, which is dairy, butter, milk, salt, nat natural flavors. Natural flavors is interesting. Because you don't know what don't that know what is. Natural is. You know, yeah. when they go natural vanilla flavor, do you know where that comes from? Beaver's anal glands. No way. Yes. Google it. All of it? If you don't believe me, Google natural vanilla flavor. That's where it comes from. So even though it's natural, you might not want to be eating it. Oh, my goodness. So I, this isn't the worst thing in the world, but the whole point is that they're marketing with health claims. And whenever I see health claims on the front of a package, I think this is probably not healthy. Like, well, if it has a health game on the label, it's probably bad for you. Well, when I go to the grocery store with my kids, I literally, um, I'm just saying no, 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 because everything, unless it's in the produce section, is processed or just full of sugar. Mm -hmm. But how about, like, a diet soda? I mean, it's a diet drink. Oh, yeah, diet. There's no calories, right? Yeah. Calories are everything, sugar -free. right? Sugar-free. So, no calories, <laughs> but there is uh, caffeine, which is uh, all right and terrible. Mm -hmm. Oh, you covered over the ingredient list. Uh, yes. Oh, wait. No, here it is. Uh, carbonated water, caramel color, aspartame, phosphoric acid, ben potassium benzoate, which is a preservative, uh, and natural flavors. Again, natural flavors. Who knows what that is? Yeah. And citric acid. Some of these are okay. Water is fine. Uh, <laughs> but we know so that just for, stick to water, huh? Well, we know that you know uh, phosphoric acid uh, as actually causes bone leaching, so it causes osteoporosis. Wow. Uh, also, aspartame has been shown in studies and artificial sweeteners to increase obesity, type two diabetes. They make you hungrier. They slow your metabolism. They increase fat storage. They alter your gut microbiome in ways that create inflammation in your body. They are not inert, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're having some man-made chemical like aspartame or artificial sweetener. 
the likelihood is it's doing weird things in your body. Your body is meant to work with normal signals that we get from real food. That's how we evolved. When you start eating weird stuff, it's, it, there's no free lunch and no free soda. All right, I'm taking this from you. And then um, I went and I saw some white bread, but then I thought, no, let's just stick to 100% whole wheat. Whole okay. grain. Okay, let's do this. This is, this is going to be fun. It's toast, right? Okay, this is going to be fun. Whole wheat toast. Okay, it says 100% whole wheat, which sounds, sounds pretty good. Uh, it's got um, uh, six grams of fiber and zero trans fat, mm -hmm. which is, sounds pretty good, right? Okay. Ingredients. Okay, let's look. <laughs> so you got whole wheat flour, water. Third ingredient is sugar. Mm, <laughs> and then bulgur wheat, wheat gluten, uh, honey, another sugar. More sugar. Soybean oil, which isn't awesome, mm -hmm. um, and um, things I don't even recognize. What is datum? I don't even know what that yeah, is. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, so that you know, there's, so there's, that kind of goes back to your look. If it's and, more than and, five. And, and by the way, um, you know, there's the, the truth is there's like 22 grams of carbs in here, and your body actually, whether it's whole wheat or white flour, whole wheat might be a little better, but uh, actually acts in the body just like sugar. In fact, bread is the standard they use for glycemic index, which is how much a food raises your blood sugar. Mm -hmm. And the glycemic index of bread is 100. The glycemic index of table sugar is 80, wow. which means that bread is worse than sugar in terms of your body. Below the neck, you can't, your body can't tell if it's sugar or yeah. bread. So when you have a piece of bread, think you're having dessert. This is not a health food. Okay, good, good, very good to know. Thank you. This is even whole wheat bread. Now, if it's the German kind of bread made out of like the whole kernel, like whole kernel rye bread, you can stand on it and it doesn't squish, that could be okay. I mean, I was in Germany visiting a friend. She had a meat slicer in her kitchen. I'm like, what's that for? She's like, well, that's for the bread. You can't cut it with a knife, it would break the knife. It's that dense. Do you eat that? It's so good. How are you chewing it? You toast it up. It's just made from the whole grain. Oh, rye. okay, okay, okay. So I it's see. like it's I and see. it's fermented and also yeah, we do very fast rising bread in this country, which makes it more allergenic yeah. and inflammatory. In Europe, they do you know twelve hour, twenty four hour. I went to a restaurant the other day I had see. sixty hour leavening process. It's natural. It breaks down some of the bad stuff. Less processing, more cooking. Speaking of whole grain, I have a gluten free oat cereal. 100% whole grain oats, and it has the hearts on it and can help lower your cholesterol. Yes, okay, look at all these health claims. 100% yeah. whole grains, uh, heart healthy, lowers cholesterol, gluten free, okay, no artificial flavors, no artificial colors. So when you see one, two, three, four, five health claims on yeah. the label, uh, is it really healthy? Well, let's look. Uh, and oats are supposed to be good. So whole grain oats, okay. Uh, Cornstarch, which is basically another form of sugar. Yeah. Sugar is another form of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got 20 grams of carbs in a serving, which is um, which is a bit. Uh, mm -hmm. So you've got and you've got you know again when you're eating flour and you're eating um, starchy foods, it, in the body it acts just like sugar. Okay. So even though it says lowers cholesterol, it's actually the old brand that lowers cholesterol. And there's a very little bit of oat bran in this. You need more of the, you know, it's got one gram of soluble fiber, which is not very much. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's a little bit oversold. How about some organic whole milk? Organic whole milk. Sounds good, right? I mean, I know you're not a big fan of milk. So these are, these are very simple ingredients. Organic milk and vitamin D. By the way, milk is not a great source of vitamin D. Yeah. It's actually added to the milk. <laughs> so 
it's added there. It's not naturally there. It's, it's added a, to the Yeah, milk. look, it's, it's vitamin oh. D. So they add vitamin D because, wow. right? It's not That's like... That's very interesting. Yeah. So they add vitamin it's D to the milk. fortified. Right. Very good. So, so milk is issues, right? So yeah. I think in general, organic milk, whole milk is, of all the milks is okay. okay. Grass-fed is better. Because organic, they could still uh, feed them corn and soy, change the composition of the fat in the milk and the quality. They can also milk them when they're pregnant, which has all, it's full of hormones. hormones. So it turns out that milk isn't oh, yeah. nature's perfect food. There's basically a lot of issues in terms of inflammation, a lot of gut issues. It's caused autoimmunity, causes allergies, causes inflammation, eczema, asthma. So it's not nature's perfect food. Most people can't tolerate milk and often will feel better. Even acne is driven by a lot of milk, even if it's organic. So uh, if you don't have a milk sensitivity and you're Northern European or Scandinavian, you know, this might be okay, but I, I, I wouldn't say it's a health food. And okay. I think the challenge of the dietary guidelines is that the Dairy Council was heavily influencing the guidelines, which say we're supposed to have three glasses of milk a day for adults, two for kids. Yeah. There's no evidence that that's true. My pediatrician told me you need to stop giving my kids milk. Yay. Because that was it. Good, okay. good guy. Yeah. Good guy. So um, I have a pink salmon pouch. Yes. And then I have a tuna can. Now, these are great, but if you open them up in your office at work, people are not going to like I know, because they smell bad. But I do bad. anyways. But I do. It's fine. <laughs> so Sardines is this are the healthy worst. for you? And are you, which one's healthier, the can or the pouch? Because the pouch now so has flavoring. So, like, yeah. So, you've got salmon. It sounds like great. Sustainably wild-caught salmon. That's awesome. Okay, but it has, okay, salmon, water, sunflower oil, sugar, food starch, lemon juice vinegar, xanthan gum, which causes leaky gut. And so... It's okay. Uh, it's also a product of Thailand, which makes me wonder about the fish oh and if they're lying that it's wild. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, where is there wild salmon in Thailand? I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. Well. So I, I, I think, you know, when you're adding all these extra ingredients, you just want to get the real food. Okay, so this maybe has less, the can itself. So this is a can of there's tuna. There's no flavor on that now, there's one. there's mercury in here, which isn't awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's white tuna water, vegetable broth, salt, and pyrophosphate, which is okay. okay. I mean, so this isn't the worst, but uh, there's other brands which have less weird stuff in it. All right, so if I want to eat a healthy salad, I um, grab my fat-free, zesty Italian dressing. Of course you do. Because <laughs> well, it, ha it has no artificial flavors, <laughs> no high fructose corn syrup, and no MSG. Yeah. And it's fat-free, which is, of course, what we should all be. And hold the oil, right? <laughs> this is nonsense. You don't need to be fat-free. In fact, you could use the olive oil, skip the vinegar, and be healthier for it. Yeah. Um, but let's look at what's actually in it. Okay. Now, this is a con job, right? It says no high fructose corn syrup. But you know what the, uh, basically after water and vinegar, what the next third ingredient is, which is by the volume? Sugar. Sugar. So they were like, oh, no high fructose corn syrup. Well, we use regular sugar. And then it has soybean oil, which is not awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It has food starch. Xanthan, it has a lot of ingredients. Xanthan gum, dressing. yellow dye five, yellow dye six, and if you eat the dye, you die. <laughs> oh so I, I just stick with olive oil and vinegar instead yeah. of all this weird processed junk that yeah. is gummy and Super terrible. Sweet. And it doesn't taste as good as just the extra virgin olive oil and some vinegar you put on yourself. I don't even mix them. I just throw them on the salad, salt and pepper, mix it up. Human. It's so easy and. Uh, It'll save you a lot of money because this stuff isn't cheap. All right. So if I want to get fancy with my water, though, um, I have here zero-calorie vitamin-enhanced water, pink-flavored. Okay. <laughs> and then I have this, sparkling water. So vitamin water uh, was actually uh, 
sued um, by the government for saying that they made people think it's healthy. Hmm. Now, I, I'm pretty sophisticated. When it came out, I'm like, oh, this is healthy. Yeah. And I would buy it. And then I would like, wait a minute. And then I realized this is like, you know, just about as much sugar as a soda, right? Uh, now, if it's artificial sweeteners, you won't get that. But um, what do they put in here? It's a artificial lot of ingredients sweeteners. for water. Is that it? Is that the oh, ingredients? Oh, it's stevia. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's stevia. Yeah, but, you know, this is not bad as a sugar. But, um, you know, they got sued because they said, well, you're promoting it as a health food, but there's no evidence that's true. And mm. there's very minimal levels of vitamins. And, and they came back and said, you know what? Um, we, we didn't think people would actually believe us. We were just sort of like using that. And it was like the weirdest argument. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, this, this is one with a little stevia, not the worst thing in the world mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to have something. But make sure uh, you don't have artificial sweeteners other than stevia and make sure that you uh, watch for all the weird colors. And so stevia and is okay in, in a little food bit, labels? Yeah. Like yeah. It's, the coloring here comes from vegetable juice color, which is probably okay. It has erythritol, which can make you have a lot of gas issues and cause weight gain. So mm. again, it's, you know. Water causing weight gain. Now this that. one is one of my favorites. Okay, let's say what it is here. It says uh, it's the sparkling, sparkling water, water, blackberry. With real squeezed fruit. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's it. That's Uns good. Unsweetened. So what they do is they take a little drop of fruit so it's basically carbonated water with a little blackberry juice, lemon juice, and blackberry puree. And it's got only two, three grams of carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. So it's basically and 13 calories and it's no sugar. And it tastes like a soda, but without the, all the junk. So this is fine. So as long as it doesn't have natural yeah. flavor in the ingredients for sparkling water, it should be okay. Because yeah. I remember you talked about this yeah. the last time. Yeah. Um, okay, so a lot of people like uh, whole wheat crackers. And again, whole wheat, not, you know. It's reduced fat too. It's thirty-seven percent less fat than your regular. See, the thing is, if I had to choose between a bagel and butter, I would choose the butter. And the whole idea of reduced mm. fat is an outdated idea that gets people to think it's going to make them lose weight, not have heart disease. But nothing is further from the truth. If yeah. I'd rather have a whole wheat cracker or a scoop of, you know, coconut butter, I would take the coconut. Butter. Okay. Uh, and so uh, this is oh, what does it say here? Um, yeah, it's made with canola oil and soybean oil and fine. It's got some preservatives, TBHQ, which is not so healthy. But, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. And the thing is, when most people look at this, we don't know what this is. The, the stuff that but, you're but reading Like I right said, now. you know, you got 24 grams of carbs, which is like six teaspoons of yeah, sugar. Yeah. So you think you're eating this and it's healthy, but it's actually like having, in a serving, six teaspoons of sugar, which is probably not a good idea. And a serving is seven crackers on yeah. this one. Okay, I'm going to do one more and then we're going to get to questions. We have a lot. Um, I have this uh, nuts and spices bar, gluten-free. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it's good. Five, it looks, five grams of sugar, it six looks like grams of protein. And stuff on there. That's yeah, almonds. It's more real food, right? Yeah. So it's made with real ingredients. It's got uh, almonds, chicken root fiber, honey, which is okay. Palm kernel oil, not so big a fan. Sugar, glucose syrup, rice flour, huh. milk powder, sea salt, carrot powder, soy lettuce, and natural flavors, and natto. So there are some things I'm not thrilled about on here, but mm -hmm. overall, it's not terrible. It's got uh, seven grams of fiber, uh, it's got protein in there, six grams of protein. Um, so as a snack, you know, better than, better than most. Okay, good, good. All right, so enough of that. Let's just get to the questions, because we have a lot. We have a lot? <laughs> yeah, so um, Ryan wants to know, where do calories come in? Is there a guideline for how many I should have? Great question. And Ryan, that is like the best setup question. There okay, did somebody plant that question? I did not. So that, <laughs> was it me? Ryan, if it's really you out there, uh, <laughs> here's the deal. 
for years, we had thought that the secret of weight loss is calories in, calories out. Eat less, exercise more. And it seems to make sense because of the first law of thermodynamics, which is that energy is conserved in a system. The key to that sentence is energy is conserved in a system, a closed system like a vacuum. So the way I explain it is, if you go to a bridge and you drop a pound of feathers and a pound of lead, the feathers float around and the lead goes boom. If you drop them in a vacuum, the lead and the feathers drop at exactly the same rate, right? Because they're the same mass or a pound. But when you eat food, it, when you burn calories in a laboratory, if you burn a thousand calories of soda, a thousand calories of broccoli, they would both release the same amount of energy. If you eat them, they're very different, right? So if you, let's say, a big gulp, which is uh, 750 calories, it's got 46 teaspoons of sugar, it causes diabetes, fatty liver, high triglycerides, low HDL, inflammation, lowers testosterone in men, causes women to grow facial hair. It's nasty. Mm -hmm. If you take the same amount of calories from broccoli, that's 21 cups of broccoli. Good luck if you can eat that. Yeah. It has 35 grams of fiber and a half a teaspoon of sugar, upregulates all your detox, heals your liver, and has all the opposite effects. Same calories. So anybody kind of who's even in kindergarten can understand that. So the whole idea of calories and counting calories is just nonsense. If you're off by 100 calories a day for 30 years, you're gonna gain 30 pounds. So yeah. the idea, and even the most uh, you know, Olympic calorie counter, you know, who can, who's like an expert, still can't figure it out. And, and so unless you weigh and measure every little bite of food. So you have to focus on the quality of your food, not the quantity. It's not how much you eat, it's what you eat. In other words, I could give you a bag of chips or a cookie, send you home, likely those will disappear. If I give you a bag of 12 avocados, you're probably only gonna eat one of them, mm -hmm. right? Because it's just the way your body works. You're gonna naturally regulate. And so you don't, shouldn't worry about calories, you should worry about quality. And that'll take care of itself. We create enormous weight loss with people with never calorie restricting. And the data show this clearly. If you take a low fat, low calorie diet, which is restricted in calories mm -hmm. compared to a high fat unrestricted diet where you have a low carbohydrate, high fat, you actually have more weight loss, better blood sugar and all those outcomes on the high fat diet, fat. even though they can eat as much as they want. Well, that's, that's, that's good news. And, and I'll keep going for the questions, but I wanna say first, um, for our viewers, if you want uh, Dr. Hyman approved list of functional oh, yeah. medicine groceries. We have this. Yeah, list. we have a grocery list. Just download at ccf.org slash fmfood. So when you uh, get on there, put in your information, you will get a list of Dr. Hyman approved list yes, of groceries. Yes, and this is all like basically from my book, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? which is awesome and tells you everything you want to know. Yes, read it. All right, let's go on to Randy. What's better, butter versus margarine? What about for heart patients? Well, I think I covered that a little bit, but um, we, we were sold a story that saturated fat is bad and butter is bad. We've decreased our butter consumption. We increased our oils consumption, and also we increased margarine and shortening. The shortening and the trans fat in there is deadly. It's actually literally been ruled by the government as not safe to eat, meaning it's not edible. It shouldn't be in our food at all. So there's no role for margarine or shortening at all, period. If you're gonna do like two things in your life to change your diet 100% of the time, it would be never eat anything with trans fat and never eat anything with high fructose corn syrup. Not because it's so much worse than sugar, although it's a little bit worse. 
is because it marks a very poor quality of food. Uh, and as far as butter goes, there's been study after study now that's shown there's no link between saturated fat and heart disease. None. There's been 17 large meta-analyses. You go to nutritioncoalition.com, you can find them, mm -hmm. that review all the literature and find no link in study after study of literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people between saturated fat and heart disease. In fact, one was done by the dean of Tufts Center for Nutrition Science and Policy, and he did a study on butter, and it was called his butter back, and he looked at 600,000 people eating the equivalent of six and a half million years of butter wow. <laughs> over like nine years, and in fact, there was no link between heart disease and butter, and there was an inverse relationship between butter and type 2 diabetes. Wow. And I like good butter. I mean, yeah. There, you can get like the... Grass-fed uh, is better. Grass-fed butter, yeah, from the grocery yeah. store. Um, Cindy, if we're going to consume sugar, is the number of gram what are the number of grams to keep under per day? Okay. Because we're all going to have some sugar, you know, unless yeah. we're you, but I most sugar. of us, okay. I sugar. So what is I think, I think sugar is a recreational drug. Okay. So like, should you have two drinks every night? Probably not, right? Uh, if you have um, alcohol, think of it as a, as a recreational substance. The same mm -hmm. thing for sugar. It's a party drug, right? So. And the dose matters. So if you have, you know, five uh, to ten grams a day, which is basically a teaspoon or two, that's probably okay, given if you're healthy overall. If you're type two diabetic, you may not tolerate any any at all. Okay. Uh, it depends on you. If you're massively overweight, if you're type two diabetic, if you really want to cut weight, you might go through a period of complete abstinence until your metabolism gets smarter. But really, we shouldn't be eating that much at all. The American Heart Association says less than ten. Uh, uh, a percent of our calories, I think, and, and the um, uh, America, World Health Organization says less than 5%. I think even those are, are wide ranges. We should try to eat less. Because okay. it's the thing that drives most aging. It drives heart disease, cancer, diabetes, even dementia. Okay, great. Now, Griffin's asking, I've heard that stevia, sorbitol, and xylitol are, only are the only artificial sweeteners that should be used. Yeah. Is that accurate? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Why not? Okay, sorbitol and xylitol are sugar alcohols, and they get processed in the gut, uh, and they don't get absorbed like regular sugar, but they cause alterations in your gut flora, mm -hmm. which cause bloating, distension, growing of bad bugs, which creates inflammation and is not good for you. As we know, the microbiome is so important. And then uh, stevia seems to be a little bit better, but uh, most of the stevia that's out there is made by Cargill and Pepsi or Coca-Cola, which is... Uh, extracted from the stevia plant, removing some of the alkaloids, which are often the beneficial components of a plant. Uh, so you can get, if you can get real stevia, whole stevia leaf extracts to do, that's much better. Uh, and I think the data is still out on how those might affect appetite, metabolism, hunger, and other things. But for now, it seems like it's the lesser of all evils. Lesser of all of you. So stevia is the only sweetener really we should be going for mm. if we go for yeah. any sweetener at all. Okay. Um, Jennifer wants to know, what are Dr. Hyman's thoughts on the keto diet? What are my thoughts on the keto diet? Well, I just came back from a conference from Switzerland, which was about food, and a lot of it was focused on the ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. And the research on that is quite amazing. You know, we've used it for decades for epilepsy. Uh, when nothing else works in drugs, we use diet. Um, but it's been shown to work in diabetes and autism, even Alzheimer's, uh, chronic uh, heart failure, all sorts of conditions which we really never used it for, and the research is just mounting every day. One study came out recently on type 2 diabetics, which is seen as a chronic, progressive, irreversible disease that we have to manage. 
Well, it turns out in the study, they looked at ketogenic diets in type 2 diabetics who have been diabetic for over eight years, who are on insulin, who are not really unhealthy, very overweight. 60% within a year completely reversed wow. off all medications and off all insulin. 94% got off insulin or re dramatically reduced it. 100% got off the main diabetes med. The weight loss was 12% or about 30 pounds. That's average for the entire group of over 250 patients. So the data is really there showing that it can be immensely powerful for all sorts of conditions that can transform the metabolism by moving us from eating a diet that's high in starch and sugar to one that's high in fat, that we alternate our fuel system from sh sugar or glucose to ketones, which is why they call it ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. What happens when you eat a high-fat diet? Now, with the, when your body goes through, through that ketosis stage, do you get the same effect from intermittent fasting? You can. There's, there's a lot of things that are happening out there. One is uh, fasting mimicking diets, which is sort of short fasts. Mm -hmm. um, there's intermittent fasting, which is like eating during an eight-hour window. So mm -hmm. let's eat from like 11 in the morning till 7 at night, let's say. Um, which is a 16-hour rest in between eating, that activates a lot of the same mechanisms as a ketogenic diet, but it lowers inflammation, it increases your antioxidant systems, it increases your metabolism, it helps you put on lean body mass, it reduces body fat, especially visceral body fat or belly fat, uh, helps in cognitive function, uh, it helps bone density, there's so many benefits. And how long do you need to be to get on to, for your body to go into ketosis? Uh, usually very quickly, within a few days, uh, oh, wow. your body will switch if you switch your diet. It takes about three weeks to become keto-adapted. You need to eat a lot of salt and magnesium during that time so you don't get what we call the keto flu, which is just from uh, your body not quite um, able to hold on to the salt. When you have high insulin level, which is what you get when you eat a lot of carbs and starch and sugar, it holds on to salt and water. So as soon as you stop eating that, the insulin goes down, salt and water go out, and you can feel dehydrated and weak. But as long as you eat a lot of salt, drink a lot of water, you're fine. And keto diet, you don't really have processed foods in there no, at all, right? It's, no. For those that don't know, it's a lot of uh, good fats. It's good fats. Protein. Lots of fats. About 70% fat. Okay. You know, 20, 20, 20 protein uh, and like 5% carbs. Okay. Great. It's actually the diet they used to treat diabetes before we had insulin. Oh, wow. At the Jocelyn Diabetes Center at Harvard, they, that's all they did was they could ketogenic diets. And now we know diabetes, just like you said. Completely it's a, irreversible with yeah, diet. It's a carbohydrate intolerance. It's like, oh, well, if your sugars are high, just you can eat carbs, but just take more insulin. Yeah. When you take insulin, you gain weight. Everybody who gains, takes insulin gains weight. It's just the mechanism of action yeah. of insulin. Yeah. It's a fat storage hormone. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to Clara. Um, any advice for reducing environmental allergies? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the times our allergies and inflammation comes from our gut and from changes in our microbiome. And so when you, when you um, fix your gut, what we call a leaky gut, you can also often reduce your environmental allergies. And the things that cause the most problem are processed food, foods with low fiber, high sugar, starch, and also things like gluten and dairy can cause a leaky gut. So switching your diet to more of a whole foods diet, getting off the starch and sugar, eating more fiber, that often will help. Okay, great. That's what um, we call in functional medicine an elimination diet. Elimination diet, yes. Um, and then Patty, I'm, she says, I'm here, Dr. Hyman. Where do I begin? I need to lower my AC1. A1C. A1C? Okay, she put AC1. But tell me what that is, first of all. Well, in diabetes, we measure your average blood sugar over six weeks, usually. And it's called hemoglobin A1C. It's called glycated hemoglobin, which means your protein of the hemoglobin has been damaged by sugar. It's sort of like, cru like a crust forms on a bread, or, or maybe like when you sit creme brulee and that crispy stuff on top. 
That's actually what's happening to your blood and your hemoglobin. So it's not good. Um, and we've seen in using a ketogenic diet or even things like my 10-day detox diet, which I talk about in the uh, book, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? Well, people who do that will often within weeks be able to get off their insulin and normalize their blood sugar. We had a woman in our Functioning for Life program, which everybody should sign up for. It's a group shared medical appointment. There's all sorts of different kinds of them, but weight loss, diabetes, uh, autoimmune disease, digestive issues. It's an amazing way to get people healthy together, and it's, it's such a great thing. But we had a woman come in that group. She, um, in three weeks, she'd been insulin for 20 years. She completely got off insulin, normalized her sugar in three weeks. Uh, another woman, after seven weeks, she'd lost 37 pounds, gotten off her heart medications, her diabetes medications, and her kidney function, which was failing, were completely recovered. So this is, this is no drug on the market that can act as fast or as powerfully as food. And your hemoglobin AMC can return to normal or even more better than normal by simply changing your diet and doing a little bit of exercise. Okay, and then we have Debbie. I was told to see a functional medicine doctor due to my IBS. I love salads, veggies, fruits, but so many foods cause me major problems. What is the best to eat for my gut that, that are easily tolerated? Well, again, you know, that's a great question. So you should see a functional medicine doctor. I don't know if you live in Cleveland, but wherever you are, come to Cleveland, come see us at the Center for Functional Medicine in our group. We have a whole digestive disease group. But we put people on basically an elimination diet to get rid of the worst foods. And gluten, dairy, the big ones, grains and beans often are a problem for people with IBS. Uh, and we also give them things like probiotics and other things to help repair the gut. So it's, it's a whole process of repairing, but it's very, very possible. Uh, and, and just eliminating the trigger foods and, and, and trying that for a little bit. It can be profound. Uh, and that's you know, what I write about in my books and the food, what the heck should I eat? There's a little 10-day detox starter. And that is really what uh, you know, probably would be the most effective. Great. Okay. And then Michael, are you, um, are you concerned about, is it leachins in legumes? Am I saying uh, right? uh, um, is it leeches? I'm, I'm concerned about leeches. I like leeches. Le lectins. Lectins. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just playing with you now. I'm the doctor. No, she's, the the, doctor. she's a journalist. I'm just trying just to help you. Give her a break. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard actually a lot about that. I mean, our bodies are supposed to process these, well, or would they not? Listen, plants, plants don't want to be eaten. <laughs> okay? okay, animals can run away. Plants can't run away. So they have defenses and they have chemicals in them that often are trying to keep other things from eating them. Uh, and one of those class of chemicals are called lectins. Uh, there are proteins that are in their food. And, and for different people, they may be problematic. I think, you know, we, we have a, a lot of fads in this country. And so the latest fad is stay away from lectins. So don't eat nightshades and don't eat this, don't eat that. I think um, it's a hierarchy of priorities. If you fix people's gut, if you cook the food the right way, which is basically pressure cooking grains and beans, uh, the, the lectins are reduced. Uh, and if you are sensitive to them, there may be an issue, but I don't think universally we should all be avoiding lectins. Okay, so now when, uh, my mom, when she cooks beans, it's overnight. But a lot of times, again, we go to the store and we just get a can. Is that, are the lectins? There may be an issue. Process, so yeah, yeah, soaking overnight and then pressure cooking is the way to go. It's the best way to go. Okay, great. And then Lisa? It also helps prevent some of the other side effects of beans. Oh yeah, we all know those. <laughs> um, uh, can you please speak on soy a bit? Should it be avoided? Soy. Ay, soy. Yes, it's your favorite. <laughs> so, uh, so, so most of our soybeans, 90, I think 8% are GMO soybeans, um, which we still are not clear whether they're safe or not. And just to be clear for everybody, uh, GMO foods are the largest uncontrolled experiment on the population in history. We, we just sort of de designed them, we put them on the food supply, 
We haven't done large randomized trials and see what happens over 20 years, see what happens. So it's a big human experiment. Now, there may be benefits of, of GMO, but also what uh, happened is that they didn't fulfill the promise of better yields with lower use of chemicals. Mm. Europe banned GMO. They have actually better yields and less chemical use than we do. In fact, one of the problems with soy is that uh, they spray with glyphosate, which is also known as Roundup, that leads to uh, alterations in the gut flora, depletion of glutathione, it may be linked to cancer, according to the World Health Organization. So you're getting a lot of that. So I, I feel like if you have organic soy, much better. Uh, if you have traditional soy, tempeh, tofu, miso, fermented forms that break down a little differently, they're easier to digest, and I think most people do much better on those. Okay. But isolated soy protein, which sounds healthy, is in a lot of the processed health food, like soy burgers and soy hot dogs and soy bars. Those you should never eat. All right. They're actually an extract of the soybean oil process, and they lead to cancer. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, sorry you asked, right? No. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I'd rather know the, the painful truth. Um, Robert, <laughs> the gluten issue. How much is it about glyphosate sprayed and used to grow grains? Ah, well, the gluten issue. Oh, that's a yeah. big stop. So, first of all, there's a lot of issues around gluten. It's found in wheat and other grains. Um, it's a protein. It can cause celiac disease in 1% of the population and gluten sensitivity in about 20% of the population. Um, and it can lead to all sorts of weird symptoms. So there's 55 different diseases that can result from it. There can be low-grade things, whether it's weight gain or digestive issues or joint pain or fatigue or brain fog or skin issues, all can be related to gluten. Okay. Um, when I have a sick patient who's got autoimmune disease or inflammatory disease, it's the first thing I often do is get them off gluten for a trial to see what happens. There are really great tests to see if you're sensitive to gluten, but it doesn't pick up all of them. So the best thing is to just eliminate it and then add it back. Now, the problem with gluten is that we've hybridized the wheat so that it has much more gliden proteins, which are more gluten than we ever had. Two, we, we, we um, actually ferment the wheat differently. When we have bread, for example, in Europe, they do overnight rising, they do 48 hours, 60 hours. Here we do two hour, and it doesn't, it changes the composition of the food. Mm -hmm. It changes the quality. We also know that gluten uh, has all this gliden in it, so that can be inflammatory. We also know that the modern wheat has high super starch in it called amylopectin A, which raises your blood sugar more than table sugar, so it's super starchy. Uh, and we also know they spray it with glyphosate right before harvesting, not because it's GMO, but because it exfoliates and gets, makes it easier to extract the, the wheat kernels. And that gets in the wheat, uh, which again has problems, as I just said. And of course, uh, they also preserve it, all flour, with something called calcium propionate, which is a neurotoxin in animal models causes autism. So wow. there's a lot of reasons to be cautious about wheat. Okay, when you talked about spray, that reminded me of what I have in my cupboard. I have um, extra Yes, no, okay, it's, it's, it's an extra virgin olive oil spray. spray. Well, it depends if it's a squirt or aerosol, right? Okay, it's, so aerosol, it's an aerosol. aerosol has kind of gone out of fashion because the, the chemicals in aerosol tend mm -hmm. to cause the destruction of the ozone layer, so you don't want that. Okay, okay, thank you. All right, next question. Uh, Misty, thank you, Dr. Hyman, for your research and your team at Cleveland Clinic. I recently joined a Functioning for Life group, and I'm super excited to feel alive again. Yay! Any advice to help transition the rest of my family? I have three teenagers and a husband that love cereal. <laughs> yeah, well, I have confession to make. Uh-oh. 
I'm a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> and chips and pop and all and that's, other stuff. That's C E A R L, just oh, to be yes. clear. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, cereal is the biggest scam that's ever been foisted on our population. Mm -hmm. It's essentially sugar for breakfast, it's basically dessert for breakfast. 75% of cereals is sugar. Uh, and uh, and the, even the healthy ones are not so healthy. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, that uh, it, it's been marketed as a health food. Uh, breakfast of champions and all that, but if it's anything but that. And I, people want protein and fat for breakfast, not sugar. So I, I would, you know, listen, if you do the shopping, uh, you're in power. And in our home, nothing comes in there that isn't healthy to eat. Mm -hmm. If we, people want to go eat crap, they can go somewhere else. And yeah. they do, and that's fine. You can't control that, but you can at least create your home as a safe zone, and you don't have to have a box of cereal. In fact, you know, I had a friend who gained like 30 pounds because he would have a bowl of cereal every night before bed, you know? <laughs> wow, every night. Yeah. Yeah, and then morning breakfast. Okay, so Aaron um, wants to know your thoughts on rotisserie chicken at the grocery store. And they're really good. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It uh, tastes amazing. I think rotisserie chickens are fine, okay. but I think you want to try to get organic uh, or pasture raised. It's a little more expensive, but if you actually know what they do to chickens and they feed them, feed with arsenic on them. They pump them full of hormones. I mean, full of antibiotics, not hormones. They they are fed a diet that's not their natural diet, and they're in, treated in inhumane conditions. And these factory farms of chickens uh, are one of the greatest polluters in the country, even almost as bad as the major steel company that put out, I think, 104 tons of toxic waste out in the water supply. Wow. Just one company last year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so organic. Yeah. Stick with organic. Um, Marianne, is there any good kind of yogurt I can eat? Yeah, well, you know, there's new coconut yogurt you can get. I would coconut go for yogurt. sheep, sheep or goat yogurt, not not regular cow yogurt, and I would go for organic or grass-fed, and I would go for full fat. Okay, hold on. So, um, you wouldn't go for like a Greek yogurt. Greek is okay. It's organic. That could okay. be okay. It depends on like what. what, what but, you, but the thing is, you know, um, yeah, uh, most yogurts, um, your morning sweetened fruit sweetened yogurt has more sugar per ounce than a can of soda. Wow, really? Yes. <laughs> well, that's like the flavored, the flavored yogurt, right? Which is what most people eat. <laughs> okay, speaking of, I do have something here. Well, this is vanilla. Okay. This is a, a non-fat vanilla yogurt. Yeah, this is, see this, here you go, okay. Yeah, tell us about that. So non-fat vanilla yogurt. Uh, and then I have unhealthy option. That maybe okay, you like so that it's, got, it's got non-fat milk food starch to make it not fall apart in watery, sugar, sucralose, even more sugar, more natural and artificial flavors, another artificial sweetener. So there's like sugar, two artificial sweeteners, and some weird chemicals that we don't even know what they are. Uh, definitely not a health food. Okay. Okay. And then um, this one is a healthy one, triple cream, like whole milk. Uh, organic uh, agave nectar. I'm not so big a fan of that okay. uh, because it's, it raises sugar a lot. It's got 10 grams of carbs, which is basically like two teaspoons of sugar. It's not so bad. Um, but again, have the unflavored one. Uh, so plain yogurt. Yeah, the unflavored Greek. sugar. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. All right, Lee. Um, I've been eating plant-based diet for four or five months. I'm struggling with seizure-like seizure episodes. Can't figure out why it might be triggering them. Ooh, okay, well, um, uh, there are many reasons for seizures. Um, so I don't know if you actually are having real seizures, but if you are, you need to go see your doctor. Yeah. <laughs> but the treatment for seizures is a ketogenic diet, uh, and it's dramatic. And 
the more carbs and starch you have, which you'll be as a vegan, you're going to have more potential um, insulin and inflammation. And uh, I, I think uh, that we know very clearly from the research that ketogenic diets are very effective for seizures. So I would think about switching your diet a little bit. Okay. Especially, I mean, if you if you try something, and everybody's different. They'll thrive on a vegan diet. But if you're if you're feeling bad or you're unhealthy or you're having seizures, that's a sign that the diet's not working for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, Barbara, um, what do we do about sweet tooth? Well, you go to the dentist and you have them pull it out. <laughs> if it was really there. <laughs> I know you say that there's nothing, because I remember I asked you this question before. If I like my coffee sweet, there's absolutely nothing you can do, right? Just No, well, here's, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> when people have a sweet tooth, what they're actually saying is, I'm a sugar addict, right? Yeah. So the biology of this is fascinating. It literally hijacks your brain and changes your brain chemistry in a way that it's just like heroin or cocaine. Mm. So if you are thinking constantly about sugar and craving sugar and wanting sugar, it's not because you don't have willpower or you have some moral failing. It's because you're eating foods that have hooked your brain and your biochemistry and your hormones in a way that make you want more and more. Mm -hmm. So I would say try something like the 10-day detox, which is in my book, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? And, and see what happens. Within two days, people's sweet tooth just falls out. Falls out. <laughs> okay, and then Gina is asking, should you buy grass-fed or organic meats? Well, it's a, a hierarchy, right? Yeah. Feedlot is the worst, both for you, the animals, and the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, organic is better, but it means they have organic feed. It doesn't mean they're not in a feedlot. Uh, it means they're probably not giving hormones and antibiotics, so that's an improvement. And then grass-fed, fully grass-finished, uh, is actually much healthier for you and the planet. It can actually regenerate the earth and the soil and lead to reversal of climate change, plus it has more omega-3 fats and more benefits. So I'm a big fan. It's a little more expensive, but again, I don't think we have to eat a ton of meat or protein. We can have moderate amounts and do really well and have good quality and have less. Okay, so when it comes to eggs. And you can buy a cow. You can buy a cow. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I there's the whole thing about cow shares, where you buy oh. a cow with a bunch of people, right, from the yeah. farmer or rancher, and then they chop it up and freeze it and send it to you, so you get, like, grass-finished Wow. Meats for a fraction of the price. Wow. Yeah. Um, with eggs, speaking of. What about eggs? Oh, uh, natural, organic, um, cage-free. What does it mean? Yeah. Which one should I go okay. for? I don't know. So I'm trying. In, in my book, one. I go through like the 25 different kinds of marketing they have for eggs or chicken. Yeah. And most of it's confusing and nonsense. The best form is pasture-raised, not pasteurized, but pasture-raised, which means they're running around eating grubs and seeds and little things. Uh, those have the best quality eggs. And if you go to, I mean, I've gone to countries where they have all that. Mm -hmm. The yolk is like dark, yeah, it's like yellow of the sun. It's like, a, it's like a dark yellow sunset, you know, color of the yolk as opposed to these pale yellow oaks we have in this country. And uh, that's where all the nutrients are, the B vitamins, the choline, uh, the good fats, all that stuff's in there. And, um, and so you want to have more of that. Uh, organic is sort of the next best. There's omega-3 eggs, which are okay. So those are all fine. Okay. I'm um, going to try to go fast here. Two more questions for you. Uh, Misty, since you suggested no bread, what do you suggest for kiddos that love to pack sandwiches in their lunch for school? What should I pack my kids for, for uh, school? Well, there's wraps you can get that are made from different things. Okay. So you can How about pita bread? Pita bread still... Yeah, mm -hmm. I know you're from the Middle East. You're all, all about the pita, pita <laughs> yeah, bread. All about the pita bread. All about the pita bread. But, uh, you know, Lil, listen, if you're not gluten sensitive and you're active and you don't have any health issues, a little bit it's not going to hurt you. But... Yeah. I do think that uh, it's better like coconut wraps and other kinds of wraps. Um, there's a gluten-free breads, which also are sugar, okay. a lot of sugar, but they can be good. Okay, good. And then Griffin, do you have recommendations for healthy fast food for busy families and active teenagers? 
Well, I am very busy and very active, and I don't have a lot of time, but I do know how to hunt and gather wherever I am, whether I'm in, you know, traveling, airports, restaurants, and also um, I use this company called Thrive Market where I buy at a discount 25 to 50% off that some of the best uh, quality, healthy foods, snack foods, bars, and different things, nuts, nut butters, uh, and I carry that with me, so I'm really good with that. And then um, there, are, there are an increasing number of restaurants out there and even fast food restaurants that are healthy that are, that are coming up on the market. So yeah. pay attention to those. Yeah, like, that. Okay, yeah, like cool. sweet greens and yeah. this, yeah. Okay, one more question, okay. I lied, just one more. Uh, McKenna, can you touch on, is it candida and the candida diet? Is that right? I've been instructed by my functional medicine doctor to go on it for a few months. Well, what is that? What you're talking about is that like a lot of us, because we, we eat a lot of starch and sugar, um, get yeast infections or get overgrowth of yeast. And candida is one form of yeast, but it's sort of a, I think candida sort of means do I have too much yeast in my system? And you know, there are symptoms of that. You can get vaginal yeast infections, you can have anal itching, you can have a little flaky rashes on your skin, you can have a white coating on your tongue. Uh, you can have sugar cravings, you can have bloating, uh, you can have rashes under your, on your chest or under your breasts if you're a woman. So these are, these are symptoms that we can have yeast issues. Um, but often it's not obvious and we can do all in stool cultures. And they do contribute. So the, the reason is we eat a lot of starch and sugar, we don't even have good quality whole foods, not enough fiber, or we've taken antibiotics, or we've taken steroids, or we've taken hormones, the birth control pill. Uh, all of those will lead to growth of overgrowth of yeast in our gut. So it's really like weeding them out by starving them, and that's getting rid of the sugar and starch. And I think that's that's a good thing to do, okay. which is good for everything anyway. Sure, sure. Okay, so before I let you go, again, we want to talk about your Download grocery list. Download the food list at ccf.org FM food. Slash FM food. Slash FM food. Don't forget, because some people are listening. And then, okay. can I put you on the spot and maybe like the f first person to um, download oh, yeah. this gets maybe your book? Yes. Signed? Uh, whoever whoever <laughs> goes right now and gets this list will get a signed copy of my book, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? Which is awesome. Yes, it is awesome. And to make an appointment with the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine, it's more of like a shared medical appointment, go to ccf.org slash functioning for life. Functioning for life. Functioning it is, for life. It is awesome. We had a reunion the other morning and people were crying. People lost 70 pounds, reversed wow. diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis went away, all their gut issues went away. I mean, it was just amazing to hear these stories where people do it together. And we were finding that, you know, we have like 3,000 people on the waiting list, but you can get into one of these wow. groups right away. And actually, people do better in the small groups than they even do on the one-on-one -on -one visits. Because it's a support they, group. It's a support group, yeah. and you help each other. Instead of like one hour with a doctor, you get you get 20 hours of contact with a doctor, nutritionist, health coaches, and much more. And how long is this? 10 weeks? 10 weeks. Excellent. Great. It's 20 hours, all in one day. Good. Oh, well, in all one day. <laughs> no, no, it's <laughs> so 10 weeks, <laughs> two hours a week, and then there's follow-up support. It's pretty awesome. And if you enjoyed this Facebook Live, would like to get more notifications, please make sure you're following us on Cleveland Clinic Facebook page. Also, for more health tips and information, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Cleveland Clinic, one word. All right. Well, all thank right. you for being here. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you, and thank Great you, everybody, to talk to for you listening. All. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.